Grace Baptist Church. Uh, and I went there uh, as pastor of that church when I was 24 years old. Way too young. But a lot of good things happened uh, over that time. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that happened is uh, a couple of guys that were 18 and 19 years old, 18, 17, 18 years old at that time got saved. And uh, then that was in 1977, 77. Um, and they grew in the church and so on. And then we left New Jersey and left that area. And this weekend is the first time I've seen them in 40 years. And they showed up and said, hey, how you doing? Um, I said, good, who are you? Uh, no, not quite like that. We knew they were coming. And it's just been, we, we sat till uh, late last night just talking about what God's done in our lives. And so I asked them to give a brief. And Tom, I'm telling you, it's got to be brief, buddy. Um, I asked him to, I w I'd like them to give quickly their salvation testimony just because it's, it's such a blessing. Um, the last time I saw them, they were teenagers. Now, I hate to say it, but they're 60 <laughs> years old. And um, um, so uh, Tom Geppert and John Franz, two of my very dear friends, even though we haven't connected for 40 years. So, uh, Tom, quick. I got saved. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me, you're going to wish that, that we could just go ahead, okay? Maybe you don't rub When you, you when, when you love to preach, it's hard to shut it down. So, but I will be short. In fact, when I was in uh, in Bible college, uh, homiletic class, if you hadn't struck oil in 20 minutes, quit drilling. So, um, yeah, I was South Party, Hardy, long hair, red, red hair, and um, I stumbled into this church and um, started hearing about the Romans Road. And, you know, I was raised Catholic. I didn't. I knew about Jesus, I, I, I believed in him, but I didn't know him to anything about giving your heart to him. And um, I guess uh, he reminded me, I stood up at, in the middle of your preaching or something and said, how do you do this? <laughs> and uh, he can tell you any better, but um, afterward he, he, he uh, took me to this uh, uh, office, and uh, it was on a Wednesday night, I think, and uh, you know, led me to the Lord. Well, I didn't have any bells or whistles to go off like, you know, some traumatic open heaven. But when I woke up the next morning, now I'm just telling you what happened. I heard with my physical ear, I heard a lion roar. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know at the time what that was. It wasn't the enemy. It was, it was the lion of the tribe of Judah. And things just started dropping off automatically. Nobody had to tell me to go to a beer party. No more beer parties. It just, because... My heart had changed, and God began to, you know, I just grew in the Lord. And he was instrumental in um, leading us and discipling us and putting up with us. And, you know, little by little, things started dropping off. And then we uh, went to Bible college, the same college that he went to. And um, that's where we went, you know, off the radar, you know, just kind of like, 
and uh, I had seen it in 40, I think it's 42 years. Yeah. And uh, so um, since then, I've I preached all over the country. I've been all over, all over the place. Um, and uh, in fact, when we moved to our Texarkana, I, I lived out of the suitcase more than I did live at the house. So God opens doors for me, and uh, I just walk through them by faith, and uh, you know, and so that's our testimony. He is faithful. Faithful, He has called you. Also, will do it. Amen. Thank you, Tom. There's a lot of detail <laughs> that left out. Um, uh, I I was raised in a pagan home. Any God, there was no religion, there was no, there was nothing really to overcome religiously except just our sinful nature. And uh, <clears throat> I saw a miracle happen, and the miracle was this man's life. Um, I mean, one month we were hitchhiking through Vermont, and he was a, he, he was in crisis, and the next month, after an encounter with Jesus, uh, his life is radically changed. And peace and confidence and, and a, a hunger for God and a hunger for the Word is just, has just permeated his soul. And this heathen looked at this regenerated man who, who was miraculously changed said something's going on there and I asked him what what's going on Tom? I, I came into his bedroom he was reading the Bible what's <laughs> and, and uh, he, he said like the man in Acts I don't know but I'm healed now you know um, and uh, and I went home that night and God did to me what God does communicated he revealed himself to me and anybody who has ever anybody in this room who has a relationship with Jesus you you have that relationship because God revealed himself to you. it's a very spiritual it's a very spiritual gift is the revelation of God and for the first time in my life I dropped out of bed and dropped to my knees and asked Jesus to give me peace give me the knowledge that that I saw Tom had and uh, woke up the next morning, and I was like, what was that? And, um, and went on a quest, got on a bicycle, and just rode all day long looking for signs from God. Is that real? Is that real, what just happened to me? And I rode all day long. And for no good reason, uh, I, it was the end of the day, and instead of going in a straight line home, I took a right went up this hill that nobody on a bicycle has a right to ride. And at the top of this hill, coming out of a trail, jogging, is Tom. We meet at the top of the hill in this town. I mean, it just, it was an appointment. Yep. My appointment. I said, Tom, God's after me. I got to So we, I mean, he was so young in his faith, he couldn't explain all this to me. And Said, let's go see Charter. And so that night we dropped in on you. You were, I think, studying in your office. And, and Charlie, uh, I don't honestly, I don't remember what he said, but I suspect it was 
he was explaining to me how God makes this transaction happen from the Word. And, and I'm sure we prayed. Um, I don't know what happened in heaven or where this transaction between me and God actually happened. Was it the night before? Was it in your office? I don't know, but I do know this. Today, Jesus is in me. And that's a miracle. And it's the same miracle that you have in you and your faith. And Jesus is real. He's alive. And everything you read in the Bible, the, the, the miraculous things and the beautiful things that he does in our heart, he will continue in us. So the miracle is Christ in you, the hope of the Lord. And uh, we have it here, we have it now. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so full, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Let's study Epaphroditus for 10 minutes, okay? 15 maybe. Uh, let's just look to the Lord for a moment and uh, be still in front of Him. We've heard some great testimonies of life-changing events in, uh, in the lives of uh, people in the mission field in Acuna. And uh, we heard about two tremendous uh, encounters with Christ that uh, Tom and John shared with us that are so meaningful. Um, let's uh, just ask the Lord to meet with us today. The good thing about uh, being a Christian is that it doesn't stop. You know, was it your last encounter? Was it, guys? <laughs> it's not going to be our last encounter. We're going to encounter him in his word today. And he can, he can help us and teach us and help us to grow. So let's be still in front of him and say, Lord, we're waiting on you to help us with something. And probably already you have uh, pointed out things that would be helpful to us just from hearing testimonies, uh, just from seeing our visitors and our friends and people coming that uh, we haven't seen in a long time and folks that we love and new people and there's so many things to be thankful for, but we come back to what they uh, said in their testimony. We're thankful for the grace of God today that loved us in the death of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and to save us and give us eternal life and that now we can learn more of you and be in preparation for our ultimate destination. In Christ's name, amen. In Philippians chapter 2, um, we're going to read, Eddie read in just a moment, and I'm not going to read it again. There was a poll done from uh, Barna, I, I guess some polling agency, that highlighted what's been going on, and it's called our new moral code. And here are the percentages of those who agreed completely or somewhat with the following statements. This is all about my favorite subject, which is self-fulfillment gag. If there's anything that gags me today about our culture, and unfortunately many times in our Christian culture, it's this idea of self-fulfillment and self-actualization is it. And here's what the, it's prevalent, and we all know that, but listen to what the survey said. The best way to find yourself is to look within yourself. 91% of U.S. adults agreed 
76% of practicing Christians agreed. I can tell you the best way to find yourself is not to look within yourself. If I did that, it, I, I don't want to find that. I, I think I'll look somewhere else. Okay, I won't comment on the rest of it. People should not criticize someone else's lifestyle choices. 89% agreed. 76% of Christians agreed. Number three, to be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire the most. 86% agreed. 72% of Christians agreed. The highest goal in life is to enjoy it as much as possible, 84% agreed, 66% of Christians agreed. People can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society, 79% agreed, 61% of Christians agreed. Any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable, 69% agreed, 40% of Christians agreed, and on and on. Here's what they, based on these results, this is what the authors of the survey said. The morality of self-fulfillment is everywhere like the air we breathe. Much of the time we don't even notice we're constantly bombarded with messages that reinforce self-fulfillment in music, movies, video games, apps, commercials, TV shows, and every other kind of media. And blah, 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 blah. The, the guy, we're, you know, we're doing these everyday heroes of biblical characters and they've all been a little bit off the beaten track, I think, from our normal study today is Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus is the opposite of seeking self-fulfillment for satisfaction in life. Opposite. So let me give you the background. So Paul is a prisoner in Rome, house arrest for two years. He's uh, chained to another, or to a guard. He has some, it's his own house. He has the ability to minister and move about a little bit. People are coming to see him. The church at Philippians that he started in Acts chapter 16 hear about his situation. And they said, we got to help him. Now, why do they have to help him? He's in Rome. They're in Philippi. Why do they have to help him? What, what happens in Middle Eastern and in, in, in those days in the Roman uh, jails, the same thing happens today in the Middle East, as a matter of fact. But what happens there when you're put in jail? They come and give you the nice uh, uh, meals and everything every day. They take care of you, right? No. They get nothing. Family has to come. Somebody has to come support them. So the church in Paul's gets nothing unless someone brings it to him, unless they support it. So the church at Philippi hears about this and says, okay, we got to take care of this guy. Let's take up an offering. And, you know, that's, you know, the first church, first Baptist church of Philippi said, we do that well, right? So they did that well. They took up an offering and they said, we need someone to go take this offering to Paul and so Epaphroditus is the guy to do it. And so Epaphroditus packs his bags and uh, they said, okay, while you're there, we also want you to stay and we want you to serve him. We want you to do, help meet his needs, find out what he needs and help him. Just stay. So he says, okay, that's what I'll do. And so Epaphroditus takes the money to Paul and he stays and he helps him. Now, while he's there uh, doing the mission, and we'll read about it in just a second, he gets sick. Epaphroditus gets sick. He gets so sick that he's almost, uh, he's close to death. And then Paul says, thank God he didn't die. But someone, probably a delegate from the church, goes back and tells the church at Philippi, hey, Epaphroditus is about to die. He's in bad shape. You sent him to help. He's not going to be any help. He's dying. 
So they said, well, that's, this is not good. So Paul sends a thank you note, thank you for the gift note, which we call Philippians. He sends this back to the church and says, okay, now we got this guy here that you sent. Thank you so much for sending it. Thank you for the gift. It helped. It's doing great. Oh, and by the way, Epaphroditus is in great shape. He was so worried that you knew he was sick that he didn't want you to know. Not very typical male. We're sick, buddy. We want you to know. Right? When I have a cold, it's the worst cold in the world. And I want, Sally needs to know how bad this cold is. No one has ever had a cold this bad. But Epaphroditus is not like the the typical guy in this class, right? The way you guys are. I don't, I don't have a difficulty with that. Oh, Sally came back in the room, I better be honest. So, you know, Paul said, I'm sending it back to you uh, because I, I, and I want you to be happy about it. So that's the story behind it. Now, if you look at verse 25, he was given five titles. All right? Let's see what they are. Three of them relate to Paul Two of them relate to the church. So he says, it's necessary to send you back to Epaphroditus, verse 25, my brother, my my sibling, right? My co-worker, my servant, and my fellow soldier. That's how he relates to me. He's my soldier, he's my servant, he's my sibling, he's my brother. You mean brother in Christ or brother, brother? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. You know what the word brother, you know what it means actually from that? And I'm going to be, I'm sorry, this is what the word means. I just have to say it means comes from the same womb. So the, the meaning, the meaning of that, of that word expresses what he really felt about him. The great, the, the sibling love. The, the love that for those of you that have siblings, have brothers, have sisters, that may not, may not always be that closeness that you want to have, but it is, a, it is a different relationship than you have with anybody else. And Paul is saying, I had that relationship. I had that relationship with my brother. And the last time I saw my brother, we took this picture. Uh, he died four years ago Thursday, and uh, I think of him often. And we worked together, we served together, we uh, played golf together. That's the only time I beat him was that day, playing golf. And two months later, he's in heaven. But that's the kind of relationship that Paul had with Epaphroditus. He said he's my co-worker. We have, he's my co-servant. That's the word servant. We serve together. We serve together. He's my fellow soldier. Now, I love this word soldier. The word, the word that's used here for soldier is usually you have to go outside the Bible to find how the word was commonly used because the word in Greek is not, it's only used in the Bible in Philemon chapter 1, verse 2, one other time. 
So you go outside the Bible and you find out how it was used. I was amazed at how it was used. It's used of a, of a common soldier that they're trying to recognize and elevate him to the same position as the commander by recognizing him. So he says, Epaphroditus is the same as a, as a private first class and a general. That's, the, that's, what kind of, that's what kind of soldier he is. He is a soldier. He is, he is my soldier. That's that, uh, it was an interesting comment about this man, Epaphroditus, our common everyday hero. Why, is he, why do I like this guy so much? Because he was not an apostle. He was not a, uh, one of the 12 disciples. He was not one of, he's not a preacher. He's not a teacher uh, that we know of. Uh, he didn't write any of the books of the Bible. He's just a common churchgoer. He's you and me. And he's serving and being recognized as the same as Paul. He said, he's, a, he's my fellow soldier, and he's your messenger. Your messenger. And it, it just, that's the word apostolos, which is the same. It's a little A instead of the big A for apostle. He's just a messenger to bring me money and to keep on serving because he says he's your minister. What do you say? Take care of my needs. Liturgos. Take care of my needs. Interesting word. Liturgos is a word, uh, we get the word liturgy. So he was serving as a ceremonial priest to, uh, to Paul. And if you take that word a little bit further, you see that in that period of time, the, the lighter guy, that's what they call them, the lighter guys, not guys, G-U-I-S, G-O-I-S, they were civic leaders who the Greek city-states were a big deal. And it was all about the arts and all about the community and all about putting up monuments and everything. And the guys, these lighter guys, the guys, they, they were people who took their own money and their own expense and they gave it so that all this stuff would happen. That's the word that Paul uses about Epaphroditus, who takes all of his risk, everything, leaves his family, leaves his, his home, leaves his money, leaves everything, his job, whatever he had, and he goes and he helps on his own free will and volition as a servant to Paul in the church and uh, helps Paul. Verse 26, 27, he's, he's very sick. It's the word asteneo, which means weak or feeble. Don't know what kind of sickness it was. We think it's probably because he was serving so diligently and it's not, it's not an easy path. There's conflict. He's in Rome with Paul, who's in jail. They don't like Paul. They don't like what he's preaching. And he gets sick. And Paul says in verse 27, but spare, he said, God had mercy on him, and not on me, him only, but also on me, so he doesn't add sorrow upon sorrow. That's, he doesn't add wave upon wave of sorrow. That's how close, how much of a servant that Epaphroditus was. Verse 29, it says, Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Plan a joyful reunion. Give him a permanent place of honor. Have a banquet. Welcome him home. Here's our example, Christians. He said, Honor people like him. Why? Because verse 30, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. 
He risked his life. What an interesting word this is. There's no way I can pronounce it correctly, but I'll give it a shot. Parabaluamai. Parabaluamai is the word. It means to expose yourself to danger, to be venturesome, to be reckless, to hazard one's life. When it says he risked his life. And the greatest uh, example of that was when at another century or two later, there was a group of people called the Parabolani. It was no, they were known as the gamblers. This group of people took as their hero Epaphroditus, a group of Christians, and they patterned, their whole thought was to be risk takers for Jesus. And in doing so, their aim and their mission was to visit prisoners, to visit the sick, especially those with infectious, contagious diseases, it was their mission to unflinchingly and boldly proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ in every environment without hesitation and call themselves the gamblers. And this is our representative, Epaphroditus. That's a pretty good testimony. So, after you hear all that about Epaphroditus, give me one word about what you think about when now when you hear the word Epaphroditus, the name Epaphroditus. Give me one word. Like unselfish, like what? Sacrifice. Faithful. What else when you think of Epaphroditus? Servant, serving, ministering. What else? Righteous. Righteous. What else? Obedient. Obedient. All of those things, yes. And another one? Hmm? Christian. Okay, I thought you were Christian. That's right. Christ-like. That's a better way to say it. That's, that's great. I like that. Christ-like. Tom. Loyal. All of those, I mean, amazing in just five, six verses what we get from Epaphroditus. I got two things, and that's, that's it. Here are the two things. Availability and Affection. Availability and affection. This is what I want us to take away from the life of Epaphroditus. All the things that you've heard today, they'll, they'll speak to you in a different way. Doesn't it? And I was talking to Debbie before class about going and, and helping folks, and it is like they're getting the crumbs, isn't it? I mean, we go there, and you've been there, and, and many of you have been there, and you understand what I'm talking about. And you're serving, you're doing what you can for, for the Lord, and you, you, just, you just see God working. And as I sat there in the service this morning, I, and what, you know, we had a great time listening to our pastors talk and, and laugh at each other and wear Steve socks. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I missed that one, but <laughs> the Steve socks, that's just too much for me. I do have some Charlie socks for sale, though, if you're interested. <laughs> no. But I, I sit there and thought, how many people in our auditorium today, how many of them have said, Lord, I'm available. I may not be the one to take a wheelchair to Acuna. I may not be the one to take money to the Apostle Paul and stay and serve and get so 
involved in his service that I almost lose my life, but am I available for whatever God wants me to do? Because I really learned a long time ago that I, not all of us are supposed to, to, to stand and, and preach and sing and, and, and do all those things, but all of us have something that God has gifted us with that he says, are you available? And there comes a time when you have to say, okay, I'm available. And that's what Epaphroditus, he said, I'm available. I'll go, hey, let me, let me go from Philippi to Rome to the worst place in the world for a Christian to be, where, you know, so you're on the menu for lions every, you know, once a week. And so I'm going to go there. He was available. But the other thing that amazes me about this, he was available to his church, he was available to Paul, he was available to Jesus. Very great message for us. And then he was, uh, the affection in his heart for Paul, for his local church, and for Jesus is so clear. We, we make ourselves available because of our affection. I make myself available, if I do, I make myself available to Jesus because I love him. I make myself available for my church, my local church, because I love to, because I love it, because we're, we're doing the right thing. I make myself available to other Christians because I love them. And that's the example of Epaphroditus. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this great hero of the common churchgoer. Speak to us about what we need to be available for in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.